everybody. This is Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio today by Evan Grant and David Moore, and we're on to our Cowboys podcast, which we're going to do at top speed because we don't have a lot of time so to talk. Talk fast, about. Evan. So talk fast, Evan. David, let's let's get right to Evan, it. Evan, you okay? I'm fine. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for paddles. Dan Bailey talk. The this paddles. is the biggest scandal of, of okay. the season. <laughs> this is the deal everybody wants to know about, David. Is it Was it strictly about money? And here's what I wanted to know. Did they get rid of that $3.4 million contract so they can sign Earl Thomas? No, because in, in getting rid of that, we'll talk about the financial, but they picked up about $2.9 million in cutting Dan Bailey and going with Brett Maher. Yeah. Um, that now gives them about nine, a little over $19 million in cap room for this season. So they wow. had plenty to go ahead and make that wow. move. Wow, $19 million. Yeah, now you can roll it over, and they're going to roll it over to pay – uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott, Demarcus Lawrence. There are a lot of big contracts coming due. So even if they don't spend it on this team, they'll roll it forward. And, and they have to be judicious about this because um, this is a young team. They're going to, again, we just mentioned those three right there. Prescott, right. Elliott, Demarcus Lawrence. Huge contracts right there. Do you want any of those three to get away? No, you're going to have to pay. You saw what Khalil Mack got this weekend from Chicago. Yeah. Uh, you saw what Aaron Rodgers got to reset guaranteed. the market at quarterback. Um, you know, th- this is just going to um, – they, they have to be judicious with this, and it doesn't necessarily roll into this year. But they have plenty of flexibility to go after Earl Thomas or do anything they deem to do this year. Getting back to Dan Bailey, I, I will say this is, I guess, my – my third incarnation on the Cowboys. Uh, this one's been 10 to 12 years, something like that. It, I hate to go hyperbole all the way back, so I'll just keep it on this last 10 to 11, 12 years. This is the only move that has truly shocked me. Really? Every, every other personnel move, maybe some were surprising, but when you went back and analyzed it, you could see some breadcrumbs being dropped along the way to get you to that decision. <laughs> I didn't see any breadcrumbs dropped on this, and I don't know of anyone outside of the organization who saw any being dropped on this. Um, you know, now what they're saying after the fact is, that to, to cut through everything, we'll give their rationale, to cut through everything, I think their determination was, while it wasn't completely financially driven, in their estimation – was Dan Bailey 2.9 million better than Marr going in, into this season in their assessment? And the answer was no, based off of what they've seen. So they made a change. Right. Now, I will also say I find it very interesting that they keep Cooper Rush, and Jason Garrett says, well, a lot of this is we're confident in him because of his body of work, what we've seen in preseason <laughs> and training camp. Well, Dan Bailey's body of work makes him the second most accurate kicker in NFL history. Right. right. But suddenly that record. body of work doesn't yeah. matter. You're going with the guy who kicked in the CFL and kicked in Nebraska, you know, six years ago, who's never made an NFL right. kick. All right. So I think when we talked in the pre-show meeting, I don't know if you Which guys were a long time that. ago, it seems yeah. like now. Um, but you said, I think the Cowboys feel like Bailey's better, but not $2.9 million better. Yes. So is the value of rolling this money over to next year more significant than even tangentially? Tangentially? That would be Tangentially, it, yeah. yeah. Tangentially improving this team's chances? And that's, I mean, look, 
we're I just explained the rationale. We're going to see how this works. Right. And uh, you know, if, if if this weekend against Carolina, Mar lines up from like thirty eight yards, his first kick and misses it. Right. What's What's the feel going to be around that team? Oh, you know? yeah, yeah. Now, now again, Dan Bailey did not have a good end to last season. It was the worst career in his career, the worst season in his career. But he was coming off of a groin injury where he missed four games. And I don't think you can judge. I mean, I, I've read some things and heard some things that the Cowboys have rationalized that he wasn't the same kicker after the groin injury. If they saw that this camp, okay, that, that that's fine. That's their evaluation. Then why wasn't it more of an open competition? Yeah. No, no one was under the impression this was an open competition. Well, that's what I want to ask you about. All right, so he kicked you, one you, kick He got preseason. one kick, a 35-yard field goal, but right? You, my, my point and, before, and, you go, before you go further was you just can't make that decision based off of well, no, last year and I, how he But that's, you know, that's, how why he I wanna, that's what I want to ask you about. So I'm not saying you're scouting the kicking there in, in training camp. But I'm assuming every once in a while you're aware of what's going on sure. over there with the kickers. Did it was did he look fine? Did he seem fine when he was? We're talking about Dan Bailey now. There were back to back days, about eight days into camp, where he had two really bad days. He missed four kicks over two days. Yeah. But so then from that point, I'm going okay. I need to start. Paying more attention to this right. every day. And then he kind of got back to what he'd always been in uh-huh. camp. And there, wa- there wasn't – it was just a two-day blip on the radar screen. Right. Um, so, and – Had he had two-day blips on the radar before? Very rarely. Yeah. No. That would be my guess. Not. And, and he had not. not. And, you know, the other thing is he missed two extra points last year. This right. first two extra points missed in his career. You know, I, again, and look, they're very cognizant of this, too. And explaining the rationale, they're also saying, as soon as you go on background, it's like, well, look, we, we're not sure we're right on this, but I'm, we're just letting you know right. what went into it. We know we yeah. know this is a serious risk-reward thing. If we're wrong on this, you're going to hammer us. We get it. So, Of course, uh, they have a history. The Cowboys had a history before Dan Bailey of just plowing through kickers. Yeah. You know, they would bring them in. You remember that was the thing. Oh, they had to, they, they just coached them up so well. Mm-hmm. You know, we can just bring in a new kicker. We don't care. You know, and, yeah. and they and the, if you look back through their history of when the Cowboys were really good under Jimmy Johnson, that's starting from that point on. Yeah. I'm guessing they probably had in the last 30 years they've had 15 kickers. Well, I think yeah. I think the other thing too is there's a well one from a physical standpoint. It wasn't just last year. They also had to manage him in practice the year before in 2016 because he had the back injury and so he wasn't kicking leading up to games and then he would go out and kick during games right now he was still he hit like 88 percent that year so you're willing to accept that but now suddenly if you're managing a guy in practice and he's hitting 75 percent of his kicks you don't have the same then you're going well you know what he needs to practice during the week we can't manage him we're going to have to manage him again um, again, I think a lot of this is overblown <laughs> to some extent. But the, the other point is you get to, I think there's a, a very real sense in the league that once an elite kicker shows signs of not being an elite kicker anymore, he never gets it back. That once that confidence, uh, and you've seen it with, with great kickers so often, I think there's a, a rationale behind it, that you know once it cracks, once that dominance breaks, He's not going to be the same kicker. Yeah. And I now, again, this is the sort of thing you bring up now because he's not here anymore and you're trying to make your point. But 
his final kick of, of last year in the regular season. They're up 6-0. It's a meaningless field goal against Philadelphia because they're up 6-0. Other than the point that it would give him some confidence going into the offseason and the organization some confidence going into the offseason, they get in the middle of the field. He yanks a 23-yard field goal, and it's not even close. Yeah. So that is your final memory of him from a coaching staff standpoint from 2017. That kick didn't matter, but it's a 23-yard field goal, and you weren't even close. Right. You're not the same guy. Well, and I think this also plays into something else, too, that's interesting to me, is the fact that, you know, as we know, when Jerry gave Dan Bailey that contract, everybody everybody was like, oh, my gosh, you're kidding, right? Yeah. You're going to give this much to your kicker? He's really good, but you're giving this much yeah. money to your kicker. Uh, and that was – was that the last bad contract that, that Jerry gave out? Well, that was – and, again, how bad was it? I mean, the signing bonus, he got the money up front, but they get out from under – he was $3.4 this year, but they're not on the books for it. It yeah. wasn't guaranteed. True. So, I mean, all of these contracts that, that look really good, you just have to look at the guaranteed money part of right. it. Right. And so his his was up there, but, but I would say based on his – Look, here's the other thing I'll say. Take last year out of it, which Mm -hmm. I know you can't in the assessment because that's the most recent year. But take 2017 out of it. From 2011 to 2016, was there anybody on this Cowboys team that did his job better game in and game out than Dan Bailey? No, and I think they – There was not. I think that Jason Garrett more or less said that. And he got the contract. that He he was – I think the contract he received was justified based on on his performance. I just feel like that Jerry is in a mode now where – yeah, I'm not giving out any more of these kind of contracts. And, unless the guy, I, of course, he will find out, I guess, after this season what he does. Marcus with, Lawrence is going to be the really – because, look, he's going to give it for Dak Prescott. Ezekiel Elliott's a little bit more interesting. Do you run him? Because, again, you have that fifth-year option where you keep him. Do you keep him through the four years? Don't give him a contract going into the fifth year. See how he holds up before you give him the big money. Well, I think yes. I thought that was always the theory, right? That yeah. he was going to be a one-contract running yeah. back, right? But Demarcus Lawrence, if he comes back with another double-digit sack season, are you going to let him go just when you've spent all this time trying to get your defensive line back into a position where it can, you know, potentially dominate? You know what? I, here's the thing about that. I don't really understand about the Demarcus Lawrence thing. You know, I know they're just. I guess they're just waiting to see again. But here's a guy, by my impression anyway, a really hard worker, sure. a guy who does who's really good across the board. Just not a pass rusher. He's really good across the board. Gets a lot of pressure. Standing defensive. Run, yeah. run stopper. He really is. Really, he's good at he everything. Sets the edge. Yeah. Yeah, and he and and you know, by my estimation too, he's one of the most enjoyable guys to talk to on that team. So he's a guy with a personality. A guy, a guy who plays really well, plays really hard, does what you ask him to do. And if he and if he had not had played, he played in the second half of 2016, when he was not right physically mm-hmm. and but he stayed out on the field where he had opinions where it's like well look you should go ahead and shut it down now and go ahead and get the surgery now you're not going to but he stayed out there and he earned a lot of respect in that locker room and also for management by continuing to play and his numbers weren't as good that year but he continued to play and that showed him a lot about them about him but why are they unwilling to give him a big contract this offseason? Because he hadn't had put together back-to-back seasons. Right. So here you, here you praise the guy for everything he shows you, and he's all about team and how tough he is. But you know what? He didn't get the numbers that year, so how can we pay him? Yeah. So this is the other side where players look at and go, okay, 
Right. So, okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get all I can from you when I'm in this position. So how did how did Khalil Mack's contract set the stage for what Demarcus Lawrence is going to get? Well, it, it it raises the bar. Um, I you know, I think Khalil Mack is a cut above every other defensive. Oh, absolutely. In, in this league at this moment, um, but if Demarcus Lawrence comes back and he has a 12 to 13 sack season after going with 14 and a half, uh, he's going to be he's going to be as productive of a defensive end of this league over a two year stretch. He's going to want that kind of money. Yeah. Now he may take a little less. But he's a lot close. Again, now we were talking about Olivier Vernon before, right. uh, the New York guy who, who hit it big in free agent, like $75 million from New York a couple of years ago. Now you kind of have the parameters between 75 and this you know, right. $95 million deal. Demarcus Lawrence is going to be in there. Where in there is he going to be? Yeah. All right, let's talk about Carolina. What's going to happen? It's always on my mind. Is it, is it really? Mm-hmm. That sounds like a song to me, doesn't it? Yeah. So, are, are the Cowboys going to win that game? <laughs> wow, that's just going to... Let's go right cut, cut to the facts here. Yeah, here we go. Well, we've got six minutes, apparently. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Carolina's offensive line is really beat Five up. minutes. Uh, is, and, well, with all of the questions that there are about the Cowboys' offense going into this game, which I believe are justified... Yes. Uh, you have a lot of questions about Carolina's offense going into this line and beyond the offensive line, too. I mean, I, I think they just lost uh, their leading uh, receiver for the season, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're across the board, and it's uh, but the thing is, you know, Carolina's always been very good defensively. Dallas hopes to be as good defensively as what Carolina has been in recent years. People will say it's on the road. Well, you look at this Cowboys team over the last three years, they're at their best on the road yeah. rather than at home. Uh, I think this sets up pretty well for, for Dallas to win this game. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Cowboys on this one. I'm, I'm, I'm just rolling because you and I are the only ones that picked them to win 11 games. Uh, so uh, I, I gotta, they got to have this game if they're going to win 11. Some, some people tweeted that to me after uh, the Dan Bailey release. on. Uh, Did they really? Yeah, I believe Newey Scruggs was one of them as well. Wow, yeah, okay. Evan, would yes, you like to say you have your hand up? I'm going to go with Carolina. Are you really? Yeah. You uh, mostly because of the uh, – I actually believe the road thing opening uh, opener opener's different than yeah I I think that the road that playing at home is a bigger advantage in week one than than it is at other times in the year and I I do think that there's I think there's some question about how this Cowboys offense is going to function you know yeah well I, the big question I mean certainly Carolina can win and the question is if if Ezekiel Elliott doesn't have a big game. I don't see how Dallas wins this. And, but but that's basically the position they're in until they can prove they can do anything. Well, that, that's all, true. And I, but I, what I was going to say is if, if Ezekiel Elliott doesn't have a big game and if Carolina shuts, oh, sure. shuts him down, it's only going to set the Cowboys up to have to face even bigger challenges of teams kind of flooding the box and yeah. and just loading up to stop Ezekiel and making them – all right. Find a receiver. Find a receiver. And, yeah. and here's the other thing. We're talking about, you know, how their approach to the preseason, and you're not going to have Travis Frederick. And and while this is still a very good offensive line, are you trying to tell me Carolina's not going to say, okay, Connor Williams, rookie guard, Joe Looney, veteran, journeyman, center, guard, 
boom, that's where all of our pressure is going. Let's disrupt everything from the middle right. and see how they do. So there's, uh, they're going to attack there. And, and we also get back to, you go back and you look at this team, even since it's, it's reasserted itself as one of the better rushing teams in the league, they're not that dominant the first couple of weeks in the season. And, and yeah. a, a big part of that is they just don't hit enough for the offensive line to impose its will. You, right. You've got to it, – it's a fine line. You don't want to hit so much that you get injured or you, you can't make it through the season. But you have to hit enough where you have that physical edge where, where what your strengths are really come through. And I don't know that the way the league is set up now that running teams – are at their best in the first couple of weeks of the season because they're just not physical enough. Yeah. Over the course of the season, you see it. But I don't know that you see in the first two weeks. And you go back and you look, not just Elliott, but also DeMarco Murray. You look at some of their the, the first two weeks of, of their rushing totals on all of these good rushing teams they've had. It's been noticeably below what they are for their average for the season. Yeah, I'm interested to see. It's good we didn't see uh, Zeke at all in the preseason. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how he responds to this. Uh and it'll be a, a, big, a big key on on what happens out there. I think it'll be very interesting. I, I don't have a I don't have a good feel either way for this game. But like I said, I picked them to go eleven and five. They got to win this game. So, so you don't have a good feel for this game, but because of your prediction for the season, you're predicting them. That's all that matters. Okay, that's uh, all that matters. Sounds like a great. Great point. Well, what the heck? I mean, what else are we view. basing it on? Yeah. But because all you care about is your selectors box. You know, last year, I just want to point this out. Last year in the colleges, uh, someone actually keeps track of this stuff nationally. I had no idea. And I was sent an email by these people and said, I finished fourth in the nation in college picks last year. That's great. Fourth but we're talking college. about the Cowboys. I'm surprised it took that long to get to this nugget. I'm surprised it didn't lead <laughs> I buried the lead. every other segment. I buried Hello, everybody. the lead. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and let's talk about my predictions. Yeah. Oh, we're getting the wrap-up sign from Brian oh, Brian Ellich. Oh, well, he's giving us the, oh, like, we're out please. of here sign now. <laughs> You're out of I, here. I think we were just We ejected. were never really here. We were ejected, yeah. Yeah, that looked like a, that looked like Joe West getting rid of us there, didn't it? He kind of bears a resemblance to 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 Joe, doesn't he? A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. We won't even get into Joe West taking the pitcher's crib notes away from. How him about there. that, yeah. Joe? Give me those. You can't have that. Foreign substance. Foreign substance. Really, he was going to rub the ink on the ball. That's what the deal was. And every player in base, every outfielder in baseball now carries around these these note cards. Right. It's just um, uh, Joe's a little. He's on the he's on the south side, as we like to say. Yes, but he was a great quarterback at Elon. Jerry Fraley will tell you that. Was he really? Yeah, didn't know that. Yeah. All right. All Evan, right. Is that about do it for us? Well, yeah, we should go. Um, Rudy Bush is in here to do um, uh, his little TV thing. Well, don't diminutize it. Diminutize it. <laughs> made up another word. Rudy's got a real strategery to, to yeah, go with here. Strategery. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Well, that's we've had a uh, we've had a college podcast, we've had a Rangers podcast, and we've had a Cowboys podcast. So we've had three big ones this week. And we'll well, come back. We had about five college podcasts actually. I think if you want to look at the the time marks, time really? really? Yeah. yeah. There was a there. Were, you did a lot of talk. I like it when you do uh, special uh, radio terms like time marks. <laughs> Man, <laughs> that's really good stuff. Marked up. Yeah. All right, everybody. So from everybody in here to everybody out there, thanks, and we'll see you.